Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward, and this week we welcome Bill Psycholic to the show. And quite frankly, I am beyond excited to share this conversation with you. Um, it went really well, really, really well. Bill was awesome. He was funny. He was inspiring. Basically everything you want <laughs> from an interview. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it as much as I enjoyed just chatting with Bill. Um, the reason I have him on the show today is because Bill is on a quest and I love quests. <laughs> uh, he's on a quest to run a marathon in every single national park in the United States um, in celebration of the 100th anniversary of the creation of the national park system. So super cool mission. Um, you know, his quest definitely aligns with the values of the Like a Bigfoot mindset and Like a Bigfoot podcast. And I don't want to get into a story too much just in the intro, but basically he's he had a comfy job, a comfy position in Manhattan and decided to, you know, take his life on a completely different path, like take a complete left turn on the road and uh, and chase something that he was passionate about. And uh, he took off on the road, living out of his car, living on friends' couches. And uh, over the past year, he's really gone after this mission. And I believe he has just finished park number 47 of 58. And we get into the logistics and all that fun stuff uh, during the podcast. So, yeah, it's an amazing mission. It's called the National Parks Marathon Project. And you can find all the information about it at www.runningtheparks.com. Dot com or check out his Facebook group running the parks or his Instagram which is also <laughs> running the parks and you know I've been spending the last few days kind of look because you know I didn't this project wasn't on my radar until about two or three weeks ago and so I've spent the last few days going back and just looking through his pictures and his videos and all the cool little adventures that he's had over this last year and I mean, it's really inspiring to me to just be conscious of what are my passions, what are my values, and how am I living my life in a way that's aligned with those passions and values. Um, so yeah, I, you know, take some time and think about those for yourself. And are you living in a way that's aligned? Because sometimes when we wake up and we feel stressed or we are like dreading going to work it might just be because what we're spending our time doing isn't necessarily lining up perfectly with our core values but it also takes a while and some time and some non-distractions to really think about and define what your core values are so I don't know, use this week, use this podcast, use this time uh, after listening to this interview to really think about what those values are for yourself and if you're living in alignment and if not, like how, how can you get your life 
back in alignment with your core values. Also, it's summer, man. <laughs> it's June. June. It was just the summer solstice. So, you know, it's the time where people go around and they explore various places around the world. And, you know, along with Bill's project, I just want to kind of suggest to you, maybe it's time to plan a trip to a national park. Um, there's way more than you would even imagine. There's 48 in the continental United States alone. Uh, so, you know, you got the big ones, you got Yellowstone, Rocky Mountain, um, the, all the other big ones, <laughs> uh, Yosemite, you know, the, uh, Shenandoah, those big ones that you hear about all the time, but you know, go to the, go to the national parks website, which is nps.gov and, you know, find one close to your house, find maybe like one that's not as popular and plan a trip to it. Um, they're the most beautiful places in the United States. And to really, truly appreciate them, you have to actually go to these parks, go hike on some trails, see the wildlife, see the geologic features, you know, and it'll just, it'll just give you a great appreciation for these natural, beautiful places uh, in our country. All right, before we get into the interview real quick, you can find all of our podcasts and all of our content on likeabigfoot.com. Or, you know, just type in like a Bigfoot to any and every podcast listening apps or whatever they're called. <laughs> I just use iTunes, but uh, there's other ones too, SoundCloud, things like that. Um, and yeah, if you're enjoying these guys, leave us a review. That'll help us a lot. That's one way you can help is uh, leave us a review on iTunes um, or, you know, tell a friend, tell a neighbor, you know, tell people who might enjoy the content that we're putting out because really the, at the end of the day, the goal is to spread goodness and positivity and inspiration around. So, you know, do your part. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get into the show. This is like a Bigfoot number 46 with Bill Psycholic of the National Parks Marathon Project. All right, welcome, Bill, to the show. Um, I just want to tell you, this is going to be a risky interview for me because I am pretty sure that I have no idea how to pronounce your last name. Uh, you, are, you are not alone. So <laughs> my last name is Psycholic. Psycholic, man. Yeah, it's, it, it doesn't, yeah, I know. It's, people, people do the best they can, and, <laughs> and I'm okay with it. I've, I've had the same name for 45 years now, so it's... <laughs> I understand it. Do you have any memorable mispronunciations? Uh, that's a pretty good question. I'll tell you what. Here's the interesting one. Um, the very first day of algebra class, I think as a freshman in high school, the, the teacher uh, was this cranky older woman who was cranky the whole year, and uh, she pronounced it correctly the first time. Nice. That was the most amazing thing. She said, and you're going down doing roll call, and she goes, Bill Psycholic, and I go, like I almost didn't put up my hand because I was so used to hearing it destroyed by every other teacher that when she said it, I was like, here, yes, you got it right. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> it was amazing. That that is amazing, man. I'm a I'm a, usually a teacher, so I'm getting ready in like a month. I'm going back to work, uh, and day one, 
scariest day just because yeah. of mispronouncing the names. Um, I remember my very first day teaching ever. Uh, I was teaching a seventh grade science class and first period came along and I'm looking through the roll call and I'm going through it and I'm like, um, Ronnie McDonald. That was like legitimately someone's oh. name day one. <laughs> and he's like here. Oh, no. And I'm like, okay. Uh, apparently your parents hated you. And yeah, then, exactly. And then I keep going down the list and I'm like, there's this kid's name that was like S C H E N C K. And I'm like, uh, shank 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 and he just looks at me and he's like it's skank and i'm like oh god oh no (laughs) but turned out like that was actually his name and he was the nicest kid of all time wow yeah you kind of have to be with that name but yeah i was kind of like day one they're already messing with me (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) um um yeah so i'm having you on today uh because you're doing this really cool project, um, and you've, I think you've been doing it for about a year now, right? Yeah, it was exactly a year on the 18th, okay. so I don't even know what date today is. Two days ago. Did you do something? To, well, let's get into the project first. So it's called the yeah, yeah. Na- National Parks Marathon, right? Marathon Project, yep. Perfect. And uh, I'll give you a, a real quick introduction. So uh, it's my personal life experience project to run a marathon or 26.2 miles in all 59 national parks. And I started it one year ago on June 18th in Acadia National Park. That's in and Maine? In Maine. Okay. Yep, on the East Coast. And I said I've been doing it full time ever since I've and as of the 17th, so three days ago, I ran my 46th marathon in my obviously 46th national park uh, at Kings Canyon in California. That's so awesome. So, yeah, th- I mean, there's so many reasons why this is a cool project and it's something that like captures the imagination. Um, but I, the first thing I just realized uh, as I was looking into this is you're kind of hitting two life goals that most people have. So Mm. running a marathon, which is, you know, for a lot of people, that's a huge lifelong goal. And then, uh, visiting every national park is another one. And you're just taking them and you're morphing them together, you know, and it's, it's awesome. It's really, it's really inspirational. So how did you kind of come up with this idea? Yeah, that's a good question. So, um, I used to live in New York City. I lived in Queens and I worked every day in Manhattan. I was living the sort of typical New York City lifestyle. I was a management consultant. I ran big technology projects for clients. Uh, I did everything from publishing to hospitality, a bunch of insurance companies. And so, you know, the kind of typical consultant lifestyle. Lucky that all my clients were in New York City or the New York area. So I didn't travel much, but I was based there. And I had been in New York about five years, and I just felt that it was it was it had run its course, and I was I believe you can either be um, energized by New York or New York can suck the energy out of you, and sometimes there's a transition period. When I first got there, it was great, yeah, New York, love it, love it, and then towards the end, I was like, you know, I'm I'm kind of tired of this. Uh, there wasn't enough nature. Uh, I couldn't do a little trail running. Um, it was uh, difficult to to get out of the noise and the and uh, just the the rat race um, hustle and bustle. And so at the um, I was planning to leave New York at the end of May 2016 and move to Colorado. And 
the idea was that I would take a little time off in between leaving New York and settling in Colorado, but I hadn't actually planned on on what I was going to do. And I was sort of looking, ah, maybe I'll do the cross-country driving tour, that whole American thing, right? Uh, and that wasn't compelling. And then I read that it was the 100th anniversary of the National Park Service. That was 2016 into, into 2017. And I thought, wow, that's great. Maybe I'll see some of the national parks on the way to Colorado. And there, and and it just, uh, it was kind of a cool idea. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, but it didn't, it wasn't also compelling. I wanted to, to make it bigger and then sort of connect what what I like doing, which is running and, and trail running specifically, with the national parks. And I thought, well, why don't I run? Uh, and this is kind of exactly how it went. Like, why don't I run a marathon? <laughs> and then I went in every national park. <laughs> And that was it. Uh, I, that was the idea. Uh, so uh, make it a way to, to, to uh, show people that you can do different things, see these parks in different ways, um, showing that when you go uh, and run 26 miles in a national park, you're getting out and away from the overlooks, you're out and away from the visitor center, you're out and away from the trailheads, and you're really in them. You are really experiencing the park the way it's meant to be, because these are protected, unspoiled natural places. And even though they try to develop them as minimally as possible, there's still stuff around the trailheads and, of course, the little visitor centers and things. When you get out and away, you become part of nature. And that was that was kind of what I was going for, is getting that reconnecting with with the, the outdoors and nature. And, and uh, that's kind of how it came around. I was yeah. just uh, looking to get out of New York and this was a, uh, an idea that took hold and uh, I've been doing it ever since. That's awesome. I always, I always tell people, you know, you, when you go to like a national park, for instance, or just a really busy outdoor area and you go to the trailhead and there's like, I mean, I'm in Denver right now, uh, like yeah. Western suburbs. So you go to the trailhead on the weekend, it's so packed. But mm. as soon as you head off, like honestly, sometimes it only takes like 10 minutes onto the mm-hmm. trail there's no one else around and you can find yeah. that uh kind of kind of alone in the wilderness feeling that you're that you're searching for so yeah let's talk a little bit about your time in new york so i guess were you were you a trail runner before you were living in the big city and then if you were how did you kind of balance that with with the <laughs> how did i manage that <laughs> i know yeah. there's a, i know there's a little single track on the side yeah. of the central path park <laughs> yeah that's that's not really that's not really adequate central park is nice and most of the time when i did run in central park it was on the weekends and i ran on the road yeah. with with friends and you do that that six mile loop of the park um and and that's fine so most of the running that i did in new york was on the road just you don't have a choice. Um, I did run the Bear Mountain um, North Face Challenge a couple times, which is about two hours, two and a half hours north of the city. Okay. Uh, there are trails on the in the Palisades Park, which is right across the George Washington Bridge. So I would take the subway up to the bridge, run across the bridge. There's a pedestrian crossing, and then there are trails in the, on the New, Jer- New Jersey side. So I would do that, but that actually took a, a while to get to. Yeah. And 
not the most convenient. So most you, of my run in New York was on the road. Were you ever like just covered in mud and sweat and smelly and then you get oh, back yeah. on the subway to go home? <laughs> yeah. Well, the worst part about that is not the, the what other people think, because in New York, nobody cares. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> it's, 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 if it's hot, if you don't bring a second shirt and then you get onto the, the subway car, the subway cars are like, you know, 65 degrees. They're like refrigerated uh, <laughs> rail cars. So you're you're freezing once you get on so just um, hypothermia training yeah yeah exactly getting ready so the north face challenge those are all 50 milers correct uh they do 50k and 50 50, milers so i had done um the 50k twice i had also run the cayuga 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 trails 50 miler twice that one's in ohio right that's ithaca ithaca new york oh my bad what am i i'm thinking of another weird name that's in ohio it's yeah um uh, you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. So it's Cayuga Trails, which is in Ithaca, and then um, uh, me, me it'll, and my it'll wife come back. almost moved right by this, whatever this was, and I just can't remember it. So we'll we'll add that in the, the show notes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll we'll figure it out and we'll 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 add it to the details. But um, the most of my running was on the road, okay. and I would get to the trails when I could. But I had an experience in the past experience in the past running on trails. I'd done a bunch of 50ks and uh, on other trail marathons and things. I lived in Washington D.C. for a while, where it was easier yep. to get to the trails, and lived in Detroit for a while, which was was you get to the trails there. Um, so. I had experience doing it already. So was it something that when you moved to New York City, you were like, I'm definitely, this is a part of my life I'm going to miss, but maybe the New York thing will be worth it? Kind of. Kind I mean, of. I moved for a job, okay. and I had been doing that for, for years and years and years. Always the next thing that I did, the next place that I moved was always for a job. And one of the things that I decided when my lease was up in, in May of last year, that I was going to move to be someplace where I want to be, not be led around by a job. Okay. And so that's why uh, I had I had already resigned. I had resigned and uh, was starting this project, but pretend I hadn't come up with this idea and was just going to relocate myself to Denver. I was doing it without a job. I was going to go find where I want to live in the Denver area, whether that's Boulder, Golden, you know, any of the suburbs, and then settle, find my tribe of yeah. runners, trail runners. I'm also a vegan athlete, so people in the health uh, health industry, and then find the right opportunity. Okay. Okay. So, so you already had this in mind, so it's just this, yeah. okay. Cool. So I was gonna because I was gonna ask you like what. I mean, how big of a leap was it to quit your job or to to kind of take the importance off? Because I feel like so many people have such a huge importance on their job. And that's like yeah. sometimes it becomes like the main thing that like runs their life every single mm-hmm. day. And was it a big leap for you to like change that mindset? Huge. Yeah. Huge, M- massive. I don't know how to, to make it. B- I need a bigger word. You know, <laughs> magnanimous. Gorgad, there you go. That's a good one. It was it was a big thing. It, this is this is not something that I've done in the past. It's not been where every so often I've done a big adventure or I've done taken a big risk or just moved because I've decided to move. And I've always been worried about you know making that next move up on the ladder and 
um, moving up the corporate structure and, and earning more money and having more responsibility and prestige and all that. And at least in the area that I was working, I was realizing that wasn't fulfilling me. And having extra stuff and having a great New York City apartment and nice clothes and things, it's just, it, wasn't, it wasn't doing it. You know, you'd buy that next next new pair of running shoes or you I mean it could be something as silly as that but then you're like okay well it's another pair of shoes right it's yeah. not it's not what's going to actually make you feel good in your life and so uh I, I it it's taken a while for that to wear off um it's I've been doing this for I said just just a year and a couple people have asked about uh, has your attitude changed? Have you do you feel different? And um, having been in the corporate life, corporate world, from big banks to a number of consulting companies for 20 years, at least since undergrad, you know, 25 years, whatever, uh, it, it's hard to break. So I started this project, and then I started running it. At, like doing it as a job. Yeah. <laughs> got to put the next one, got to schedule it, got to be on time, got to got to have all the logistics worked out and this and this and very, very detailed because that had been my role for so long. Um, and it took me about seven months to break <laughs> out of that. And then it still took me another three, so three or four, so just approaching right now where I started to feel a little bit more relaxed and a little bit more about just you know, being on the path rather than dictating the path of life, you know, and it's very, very hard. It's, it's not something, and this is what I, what I'm, you know, we could go down all sorts of different paths, but I'm, I'm trying to encourage people who are in the corporate world, who are like me, who have the finance undergrad, the, the MBA, the work in consulting or corporate life, that it is possible to make a change. And, um, you, you don't have to go out and run marathons, but if you're not fulfilled and you're not bringing your best to the world, then you're cheating the world as in addition to your family and your friends and everybody that's close to you. So putting undue necess- um, emphasis on like job growth and, and career development can be detrimental. I'm not discounting if you enjoy it and you love it and it's wonderful and it's fulfilling and rewarding and it's providing for your family. Great. But if it's sucking the life out of you, yeah. then you have to sit and think about whether that's the right thing for you and for, for the people around you. Well, and I mean, I guess one thing real quick that is interesting about that is, you know, from the outside perspective, you think like of someone who quit their job and is going on like some amazing quest and especially quests in like the wilderness. And mm. you're instantly like, oh, their mindset was changed like day one, like hour one. And it's funny. It's I mean, it's really interesting that you bring it up because, of course, that's not the truth. And of course, you know, you still are processing and struggling with some of these ideas uh, from from the corporate world and the corporate life, which is uh, which is fascinating to me um, about the whole yeah, like not being fulfilled thing. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of people out there who probably aren't f- completely fulfilled or are letting their job kind of run them. And I think part mm-hmm. of the problem is that we just don't give ourselves time throughout the day to really think about what would fulfill us. Um, right. You know, we can 
I've, I've said this on the podcast before and you know, and it still happens to me, but you can wake up every single day and just distract yourself from moment one mm-hmm. to moment, whatever, <laughs> million, <laughs> till the moment yeah. you go to bed, you can instantly, you know, be online, you'd be watching something, listening to something, going to work, coming home, checking out your Facebook, whatever, like it can yeah. be a whole entire day. And something I noticed from your website um, that was interesting to me was that, uh, you said that you wanted to take on something that closely aligned with your personal values and just taking that. Did you, did you take some time to really start thinking about what are my personal values or did you take some time in, I don't know, quietness or like meditation to really nail those down? Yeah, you, you, um, you hit on a few things. So I did. So um, at the end of 2015, uh, I, um, uh, I, I, so let me back up even more. The company that I worked for at the time um, offered a sabbatical program where if you work for them for three years and have a certain number of billable hours, because that's the consulting model, then you get a four-week sabbatical at 75% of your pay and all your benefits. And that's over and above whatever vacation you had uh, accrued. And so at the end of 2015 and into early January 2016, I took a seven-week break. And this is the first time in my professional career since I started working where I had ever taken more than two weeks vacation, ever. I mean, that's crazy, but that's common, right? Oh, totally. And I, uh, I, I started it off by um, actually doing a 10-day Vipassana meditation retreat. And the focus of the retreat wasn't to get enlightened or, or it was deep soul-searching. It was, in my, my, my thought was, it was just to sort of quiet the noise and learn a new tool. And so that if I could come out of the, the, the meditation retreat at least a little clearer, um, then I could, I could focus on what was really important to me. And that's where I started thinking, well, it's not being in New York. It's potentially not working in this kind of corporate environment. It's uh, getting closer to nature and then developing values that I value, not values that would be dictated by the environment that you're in. So, you know, a corporate corporate world or a city life. So, uh, yeah, that's what, that's what I did to help sort of figure that out is I took that break. Now, here's the interesting thing about that sabbatical. So this is what was a huge learning um, opportunity for me. So I did the, uh, I had told you I was going to take some time off after leaving New York in the end of May, but I hadn't figured out what I wanted to do. And this was before I made the decision to do the, the National Parks Project. I thought maybe I would live abroad for three, three, three to six months do the digital nomad thing and live in Chiang Mai, Thailand, or whatever. And I have been an expat before. I've actually lived in Eastern Europe for a while, and I've traveled a lot to, to Asia and to Europe. Um, so I was going to take a, a kind of a dry run, and I went to visit some friends who live in uh, Merida in Mexico, in the Yucatan Peninsula, and live with them for a, a couple of weeks and sort of as expats yeah. and see, yeah, is this really what I want to do? And I thought it kind of was. I thought, oh, you know, this will be exciting and I'll do this. And I got there and um, I just, it didn't, it, 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 the expat life wasn't for me. 
and I was trying to force something that would seem cool. <laughs> hey, yeah, uh, you know, Bill lives in Thailand, and you know, he's living in Chiang Mai, living the life, and uh, I just, it, it just didn't, it didn't grab me, and so uh, I realized, hey, that's not what I want. And doing, taking that experience was actually a, a nice. A nice way to figure that out without having to have already relocated to Thailand and then go, oh, crap, like man. Like two weeks have, in, you're like, uh-oh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. People, people here are, are very nice, and I'm sure, but um, the expat lifestyle tends to be very insular. Um, you, it, it's not always the people you want to be around. It's just the people that are there. Yeah. And often there's a lot of drinking involved, so. Yeah. And like, if, to, yeah, if your values, that. health and wellness, you know, that's right. not going to fit. And it's kind of funny because, you know, since you're exploring the national park and I believe you're, you're inviting people out to maybe do these runs with you. Is that, is that yeah. the case? So you're kind of creating your own community versus falling in line with someone else's community, you know? Right. Yeah. Whatever, whatever's there. Yeah, you know? exactly. And it's really, it's really cool because there are so many adventures to be had just in our backyard here in the United mm-hmm. States and so many beautiful places that can make you appreciate, you know, all the lands that we are, we are given just as United States citizens. So, so it's really, it's really a cool project, um, that you're going on. Yeah. So, I tell you about one thing about to, to add on to that point is that um, I don't think people and I didn't realize just the diversity of the lands. So I had in my mind the stereotypical national park, which either looks like Shenandoah yeah. or it looks like uh, Yosemite or Rocky Mountain. Yeah. Right. No, no, no. They are drastically Different. There obviously are parks that sort of resemble Rocky Mountain, like North Cascades, Kings Canyon kind of looks that way a little bit, but they are so, so drastically different from each other, and there's so much variety and variation in terrain and foliage and animals and weather and just, it's just, there's so much to see here, and the national parks is such a great way to do it. Yeah, so when you're pulling up to a national park, are you getting giddy with excitement and like geeking out on the history of it or the animals or you know the places I, you're going to see? Yeah, I do a little bit. I, there's so many of them, so I'm not studying them intently. Yeah. And I, I have a the National Geographic guide to the 59 national parks, and it has basically like three pages or so per park. So that's the only research that I do before I get there. And then I go to the visitor center and I look at the exhibits and I talk to the rangers and things. So I learn a little bit, uh, but I'm not, uh, you know, don't quiz me on the, the ge- geological features of Lassen Volcanic National Park. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I, le- I want it to be a little bit of a surprise. Yeah. You know, if I was to sit and do intense research about everything I'm going to see, then some of it wouldn't be a surprise. And some people might say, well, well, you might miss things. And I go, well, yeah, I might do that too, but I'm going to try and enjoy what I'm seeing when I'm there. Yeah, that's funny just to relate to what I had told you before we started the podcast. You know, I had that kind of same, same thing while doing this podcast because I'm like, I want to do enough research to kind of like have a brief understanding, but like, why would I want to spoil everything for myself when, you know, I get to hear these cool stories or like in your case, you get to see these amazing places, you know? And if you, if you go somewhere and you just like, you've seen all the pictures already, I don't, I don't know if it ruins the experience because it's different when you're there, 
but yeah. it's better to like, I was doing a race in March and I rounded the corner and there was this thing called like a big Hogan is what it was called. It was in <laughs> Arizona and it was like this kind of cave thing and it was completely unexpected. And I literally out loud just to like took my breath away. And yeah. I, I said some curse words in amazement. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's that's the beauty of it, right? You don't know what you're going to be coming up to, especially going the distances that you go either in a race or, in yeah. my case, just on a, on a marathon run through the parks. Uh, I know, for, for instance, in Yellowstone, I did a, a loop of Lake Shoshone. Um, and Yellowstone's one of the busiest parks in the system. And, you know, two, three miles from the trailhead, and nobody. Yeah. And I think I saw maybe four or five backcountry campers, backpackers uh, in the rest of the time. And I went through a, a thermal features about nine miles in. So there's geysers and, and bubbling mud pots and sulfur pools. And there's no, there is nobody there. And the trail goes right through the middle of it. And I, you know, I stopped and, uh, I usually, I do these runs continuously. So I don't stop for lunch and take a half an hour or an hour and break. And it's, it's a one continuous run, but I will stop and admire things. I take lots of pictures when I'm running. And, you know, that was an instance where I just stopped and went, this is amazing. <laughs> and I'm the only one here. <laughs> I have this geyser basin to myself in the middle of one of the most popular national parks and only in our country in the world like it's yeah there were tons and tons and tons of foreign visitors when i was there so uh yeah it's an amazing thing yeah do you um do you when you when you're planning the routes how do you go how do you go about picking which trails you're going to do or you know are you trying to do loops i'm assuming you're not trying to do out and backs because well it's a that's a good question it's going to be dictated by the terrain Okay. So I'm trying to do loops as much as possible, but that's not always feasible. In fact, most of the time it's not. So I have to improvise. And so the first option is loops. The second option is some sort of if I can do a lollipop or if I can do a number of out and backs. And then the third option is sort of a big 13-mile out and yeah. a 13-mile back. Okay. And um, sometimes I have to do repetitive areas, like the the – the the route on um, Elliott Key at Biscayne National Park was a seven mile stretch. They only had seven miles of trail, so I just had to do that yeah. a bunch of times. Um, the route at Dry Tortugas National Park in Florida, which is uh, on an island west of Key West, is um, it's a fort, and they have a moat wall that goes around the fort. And that moat wall is point it's six tenths of a mile. So I had to run that 44 times. <laughs> so, you know, you just yeah. have to do what you do. And the, for me, I've never been to these places. So even if I do a 13-mile out and back and see the same trail, I had to do that at North, at, um, North Cascades. There's been other places. But I've never been there before. Yeah. So to see the same trail, first of all, it looks different going in the other direction. That's true. And it's only the second time I've ever yeah. seen it. <laughs> so it's not like it's, it's going to be boring. And, and in fact, it's, it's often, you know, different time of day when you're coming back a few hours later, the sun is in a different place, Yeah. obviously looking in a different direction. It's, it's a whole new experience. So yeah. I don't, I don't mind that if I have to do it. Nice. So there's a couple ones. I mean, I guess which ones have been the most 
challenging, whether that's for the terrain or I guess, like you said, the one where you're going 0.6 miles around, yeah. around a loop, like which one has been kind of the most challenging one for you to get through? Or is it, I don't, I've asked questions like this before and yeah. people have been like, it was really easy because I was having fun. <laughs> nah. Well, then, yeah, no. Uh, so, so some are easy, some, some are easier. Yes. Um, it's still 26 miles on the trails, uh, generally. Um, normally I, I'm, so the, I'll tell you what, how I, how I go about it. I don't think I finished the last question, but I normally get a, the national geographic topographical trail map. I figure out where I think I want to run. And then I go in and I meet with the Rangers okay. and I ask them about trail conditions. I ask them about elevation, I ask them about weather, things that could impact my suggested route and then you know is there are there any dangers um they also help with whether that route actually sees highlights of the park because i want to see what's the best part of it if i can and they've been it very very helpful at adjusting routes and suggesting different areas to go and sometimes i get it right sometimes talking to people online and things they go yeah this is the best thing and i ask them and they go yeah that's the best thing kind of what happened at um at Kings Canyon. Um, but, uh, yeah, so they've been very, very helpful and that's how I, I, I make sure that the, the route is good and safe. And as far as difficulty, um, there've been ones that have been difficult for different reasons. Uh, dry Tortugas was six cents of a mile. I did 13 miles one way and then I did 13 miles the other way. There you go. Good strategy. The, the folks on the podcast can't see me swinging my finger <laughs> one way and swinging my finger the other way. So, uh, and that was the fastest marathon of the 46. That was uh, three hours, 51 minutes. And, and I, it was, That's it's really all flat yeah. and it's basically a track. Yeah. So, um, and it was, it was great. It was so much fun. You'd think that running around in circles wouldn't be, wouldn't be fun, but the, the water blue, the blue of the water would change with the sun moving and then the waves and you could see the fish and people yeah. were cheering me on and, yeah. Hey, what lap are you on now? You know? <laughs> so that was a lot of fun. So that wasn't that hard, yeah, even though you're running around in circles in like one of the prettiest places in the country. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> that's, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So I didn't think that one was hard at all. Okay. Um, so some of the ones that have been difficult, so uh, Big Bend National Park in Texas was difficult because I don't think I was ready for the heat. Okay. I had enough water, just barely, but I was a little dehydrated at the end, and there was a lot of there was a lot of climbing there. Uh, Grand Canyon was tough. Um, that's I did rim to rim. I ran uh, south rim to north rim, and coming up North Kaibab in the heat uh, was was tough. Again, I, ha I was able to refill water uh, a couple times along the way because they have water down in the in the canyon. Um, but that that climb at the end was was a tough one. Uh, and then Guadalupe Mountains in Texas okay. was also tough. And that one was tough because so here's a good example. I talked with the Rangers about a route, and they go, oh, "Yeah, that's a good route. That should work." It gave me the distance. It what actually was a loop, and it got me back to the car. Uh, I started running it and I came to the first intersection where I needed to go onto this, this particular trail. And I ran probably a quarter mile to a half mile. And then I couldn't find the trail. The trail just disappeared. And this is, you know, one of the 30 something marathons. So I've been doing this for a little while, but I kept looking 
I was I was running and I just couldn't find it. The trail wasn't distinct enough. It wasn't one that got enough foot traffic that it was clear. And rather than get lost, I said, okay, I'll back up, grab the map, because I always carry the map with me, and said, there's another route that I could take that is also a loop but adds probably two miles, two, three miles. And so I'd end up doing closer to 30 than 26. And I thought, okay, that's fine. So I start down that loop, and there's a climb, and then there's a big descent down into kind of a valley of the Chihuahuan Desert. And I'm running along, running along, running along, and that trail disappears. I, again, if you look at the GPS records, which are online, and you zoom into the map, you'll see me sort of wandering around trying to find this this trail. And I took a bunch of pictures going, like, can anybody else find this trail? Like, is it just me? Was I hot in the sun? What was going on here? But I couldn't find it. And so I turned around and did essentially an out and back. So I went, ran back and... Uh, by the time I got back to the car, I think I was a couple miles short, and so I ran a little bit around the trails near the trailhead. But uh, that one was hard because I, I couldn't, I lost the trail. Like I couldn't actually, I had to improvise along yeah. the way. And probably a little at that point, like a little disappointing because you're like, oh man, I wanted to do one thing, you know, but I had to do something completely different. But that's kind of the. Mm-hmm. That's kind of one of the skills you get as a runner is just being flexible and, you know, having expectations. But if you don't meet the expectations, learning how to deal with it. Um, yeah. And being safe and yeah. recognizing that it's not the end of the world. And it was beautiful both ways. <laughs> it was so it was not a it was not a bad experience. It was just difficult. Yeah. Um, and and uh, that's hey, that's the way it was. Like you don't have a choice. Yeah, you're out there 13 miles. If you need to get back to your car, and there's no one coming along. It's yeah. not a highly trafficked park, obviously, given the trail conditions. So you, it's not like you could wait along a trail and a <laughs> hiker would come and help you or whatever. No, you're you're out there on your own in a lot of cases. Yeah, how do you do? You feel any fear? Are you pretty confident that you're going to be able to get yourself out of a situation? Um, like for instance, when you're talking about Yellowstone, and you're mm-hmm. kind of in the middle of the park completely alone uh how do you feel in those moments uh you know knock on wood so far so good uh i've i try to be prudent and take the right kinds of safety gear and i'm always looking to improve and refine but uh, i take a a 20 liter solomon the solomon trail 20 trail 20 20 liter backpack which I usually have four liters of water with me, uh, a three liter hydro pack bladder, and then two ultimate direction bottles. Um, and then I carry safety gear, first aid kit with kind of your typical first aid kind of things, and also something to start a fire, so lighter and some tinder. Um, and the fire would be more for signaling than anything else, yeah. I mean, unless it's really cold, but it's a good way to, to, to have people help find you. Um, I take different types of clothing depending on what I think the weather's going to be like. So sometimes when I'm, I've, I've had a, a couple of runs where uh, you would go up in elevation, it would get cold, and I'd put the, th- the long sleeve shirt on, and I'd come running back down, and it would get hot, and I would switch back to the short sleeve, take a rain shell. I take uh, an emergency bivy, which is basically a space blanket shaped like a sleeping bag that you can crawl into in the event that you need to spend the night on the trail. Um, and then 
I also carry a Spot 3, Spot Gen 3 GPS safety beacon. So I don't know if, oh, you're, nice. yeah. if you're familiar with those. That way uh, I have two the two settings on it, right? I press the one button and it would send a message to family members to say, here's my GPS coordinates. I'm in trouble, but it's not life-threatening. Send the Rangers. And then, of course, they have the SOS button, which facilitates your rescue uh, if you do that. But and they and there's I've seen posts in some of the national parks and the uh, the spot company tells you this as well is that even if you press the SOS button and they facilitate your rescue it's not instantaneous <laughs> it's not like that button is connected to the starter of a of a helicopter yeah, right yeah. you could be there for hours to days by the time they mobilize the equipment the personnel they find you they extract you so you still have to have be self-sufficient, and that's why I take the extra water. Um, uh, a couple of places I've taken a water filter, okay. um, but I haven't I haven't had to use that because I'm carrying enough. My my pack weighs generally about ten pounds, so it's a it, it's a it's an extra weight, but it's it's safety, um, peace of mind too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so just a couple, just out of my own curiosity um everglades is there a lot of trails there no that's a good one uh (laughs) there are not a lot of trails there and uh here's a good example of where the the rangers were very helpful so i go in and i say look i'm i'm here to do this uh i i can run on the road so i want to do trails but if the parks don't have trails or the only other the only option is to run on the roads then i do um, and I tell them I can run on the road, but you know, I'm, a, I'm don't want to be hit in the head by the mirror of an RV as it drives by. So I, and and they uh, they said, well, one of the best places is at Shark Valley. There is uh, the tram. There's a 15 mile tram road that takes you out and does a tour uh, along some canals and that. And I, you could just do that loop once and then do an out and back uh, to get your distance and. It kind of sounded hokey at first. I was like, oh, a tram road. And so I did the tram tour. I went on it myself, and I went, actually, this isn't going to be too bad. And so that was essentially a road run. Yeah. Uh, but there was plenty of – first of all, I think I only saw one or two trams the whole time. So it's not like this is a massively busy thoroughfare. And you got to see a lot of alligators, and you're actually into – the sort of the the environment there so it was a, it was actually a really good place to run and uh, i enjoyed that one yeah how are hurdling out alligators how did that go yeah. <laughs> I, they're on they were on the tram road like you the, i mean i went past alligators that were only a few feet away you know hashtag hurdles hurdle gator <laughs> hurdle gator <laughs> um i guess okay so what other ones am i thinking of uh where'd you run in shenandoah uh, so Shenandoah was the second marathon and you're asking me about a year ago. <laughs> uh, I'm, I, we used to live in Virginia is why I ask. I'm just out of my own yeah, personal curiosity. I could, I could look it up. I, I don't remember. Um, I know we were on the AT for a little while, Okay, but not, not a whole lot because yeah. we did uh, a guy, uh, someone ran with me at Shenandoah, which was great. And he knew the area we did oh wait now it's coming back to me um uh he's in a running group there and i don't remember the name of the running group again i can look all this up but they have a an annual run that they do around thanksgiving that takes 
uh, that takes the same route that he and I took. So he okay. knew this. He knew this route by heart. We didn't even need a map, or he just knew where to turn. It was ended up being 29 miles and change, so a little over a marathon. Yeah. Full full kind of loop, and it was something something Death March. Like <laughs> the name the name of this run is like it has the 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 woman's name that that formed this route, and then the next two is Death March. And I told the guy when we were looking to do this, it's like I don't really want to run anything two, that has death and. <laughs> March in it. Yeah, but we did and we had a great time. That's awesome. Was, that uh, was a lot. Of- and then one I just was I just went to Canada with my dad. So we we're driving uh from Minneapolis up to up to uh International Falls. Um and we passed Voyagers mm-hmm. National Park, which I this is just me being clueless, I guess, but I didn't even know there was a national park up there. So so I mean, I'm assuming that one's a lot of lakes, mm-hmm. a lot of bugs. Um Yep. How, yes and how yes. Was that one? <laughs> <laughs> yes and yes. I when I went into uh, uh, talk to people about that one, and and even when I went into the Rangers, they go, you know, this is a water focused park, right? <laughs> and I go, yes, I know. You know, this is what I want to do. So, um, Voyagers was an interesting one where I had taken the map, I had figured out the route that I thought was going to work, and then I went into the Rangers, and the Rangers went, oh yeah, I see, yeah, that trail is on the map, but. We've had a lot of beaver activity recently, and they've dammed up a bunch of creeks and things that flow into the lake. And those trails, that trail is underwater. So I would run about a mile or two miles out, and then I would hit basically a lake. And I'm like, oh, okay. So what would you suggest? And the ranger suggested a trail that was on another piece of land, um, a 45-minute boat ride from the, the mainland. So I had to take a, a private a charter, a private boat to, to drive me out there, drop me off. I ran a, essentially a 13-mile out and back. I saw a bear. Which is Obviously. Yeah, you yeah. of course are going to see bears. <laughs> so out and back, um, I brought a bunch of change of clothes and things and then waited around for him. I, we scheduled that he would come back seven hours later and picked me up and took me back. So it was a good example of, of having to improvise and also the, the value and the knowledge of the Rangers. So, you know, anybody that's looking to do any kind of long run or any kind of backcountry work, uh, go and talk to the Rangers just to, just for, for peace of mind. Yeah. That sounds like a really, would be a really cool hiking backpacking trip you know it's someone driving you to an island and then i'm I'm guaranteed you were the only one on the island besides the bear right yep (laughs) uh there were well there were right on the along the water there was actually one family camping okay and then strangely enough when i was in the the visitor center talking to the ranger i ended up chatting with this other guy that was getting his wilderness permit and then i saw him (laughs) he had gotten a boat over there as well and he was he was uh hiking in to do some backcountry uh camping nice what so one guy (laughs) what uh i mean any memorable you mentioned the bear but any memorable wildlife encounters while doing any of these runs i read on uh it might have been so nbc news did an article about you and they mentioned a bison herd yeah yeah there's a video of that i did on youtube um in that was theodore roosevelt national park in north dakota and uh, I'm running along the trail, and I and I Theodore Roosevelt was difficult because the trails, the ones away from the visitor center, don't get a ton of use. Uh, a lot of the the animals use the trails as game trails, but then split off 
So as you're running, you see a split, a Y, or even sometimes two or three different offshoots of the trail, and you don't know, is that the trail, or is this the trail? And uh, navigation was difficult there. Um, But, uh, yeah, so I'm running along eight miles in, and I come up on my first bison herd, and it's a full, full herd of these animals, and you have to give them wide berth. So I climbed up this bluff, and I'm taking a video down on them so you can see where the trail is, and they're all right on the trail. <laughs> there, was, there was no option to, like, shoo them away. No, no, no. So I went around and then, um, and then continued on. So there was that, that and there was later on in the run, maybe a five or six miles later, there was a lonely bull yeah. that was on the trail. I just kind of... I walked, you know, stepped aside and climbed up a little bit and waited for him to to mosey on past. <laughs> They're not in any hurry. Um, yeah. and, and but that was cool. You know, you're not. I'm I'm keeping a safe distance, and I encourage everybody to do that because these are wild and unpredictable animals. But you're still close enough that I was going, man, that's an impressive oppressive live creature. You know that I don't want to mess with. Yeah, so, yeah. I do. Very cool. So coming up, you have. You're I are you you're only like two in the continental United States left, right? Yeah. So there are 47 national parks in the lower 48 states. There's one in the Virgin Islands. There's one in American Samoa. There's okay. two in Hawaii and eight in Alaska. So I have finished 46 national parks to date, and that means I've done 45 in the lower 48 states, and I already did the Virgin Islands. Okay. So I have uh, Sequoia National Park, which I'm doing on Friday, and then Black Canyon of the Gunnison National Park in Colorado I'm going to do on the 2nd of July. And for since we were, we're talking about it before, Black Canyon is a good example. Despite being this very deep and majestic canyon, they don't have a lot of trails. So I have a friend that's going to come up from Denver and join me for that run. And from the trail map, on the National Geographic trail map, it looks like we're going to do um, some trails, a little bit of a dirt road, and then some trails again. And we might have to do that like one and a half or two times. We might have to do that whole thing twice. Yeah. So, and it's still great, right? You're going to see that you're on the rim. You can see down into the canyon. You're running along. Even the dirt road is like just a double wide trail. So uh, it doesn't bother me. I have a great time because I'm at Black Canyon of the Gunnison. It'd be awesome, man. That place. National Park. That place looks so beautiful. I've never been there and it's definitely on the, on the bucket list. Uh, yeah, it looks amazing. So, yeah, I mean, I'm assuming you're on the edge of the canyon, so you're looking down into it, and, I mean, that's that's awesome. It, it would yeah. be really hard. I mean, after your Grand Canyon experience, maybe you didn't want to go down into it and then back <laughs> up. <laughs> you, you can't. The The Black Canyon is so steep that uh, all of, I looked at, I looked into that. I thought maybe yeah. I'll go down into it, come back, and then finish up on the, uh, on the rim trails, but... Uh, all of them are basically climbing paths. Yeah, wow. they're they're not they're not you they're not running or hiking trails. So, you you can get down to the bottom, but they say experienced climbers and hikers only. And a lot of the places they say they have ropes and chains and things for you to hold on <laughs> to when you're when you're coming up and down. So, yeah, I, I, I maybe I'll do that just for fun or a little bit of it, but I don't think I'll incorporate it yeah. as part of. The- 
So what's the plan for Alaska and Hawaii? That's good question. So I'm thinking about doing Hawaii and American Samoa in September, maybe September into October, for a few reasons. One, you get the, you get more for your money in September than you do in July or August, since uh, I'll, fl- I'll probably fly out on points both to Hawaii and then Hawaii to Samoa and back. Uh, and then I might be able to use some points for hotel and, and rental car and things. Uh, so that's what I'm thinking about Hawaii. Uh, and then Alaska, probably summer of 2018. Yeah. Alaska is like its own beast. <laughs> it's it's its own project. Yeah. So if, if there's anybody listening that works for a big gear company and <laughs> uh, what I, what I'm, uh, I'm going to try and work on is see if I can get uh, a few other trail runners to come. First of all, so let's back up. Alaska by itself is, like you said, a whole other logistical planning, a different animal. Four of the parks in Alaska, you need a bush plane to get to. Wow. So it's not drive up, visitor center, and go for a run. It's yeah. like fly in, drop you off, figure out how to do 26 miles without trails or roads, and then have the bush <laughs> plane get you again. Wow, man. So I, I want to have people with me, other runners. I'd love to have an Alaskan guide. And the reason that I mentioned the gear company is I'd love to have a film crew come and document the beauty of the eight national parks, the challenge, the logistical challenge of getting to them, because I'm not sure people realize that. And I didn't until I started learning about it. And then maybe see if we can swing something truly epic like eight marathons and eight national parks in eight days. That would be awesome. Da, da, da. <laughs> you know, me, Dean Karnazes, yeah. you know, maybe Anton Krupicka. Yeah, the Iron Cowboy. I don't yeah, know Iron you... Cowboy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Get these guys. And, you know, of course, I'll be, be uh, you know, bringing up the rear. But <laughs> it, at least it would be that kind of uh, experience to say, look, here are the ultra guys and the professional athletes, but here's the normal 45-year-old former management consultant dude doing it too. Yeah, It brings up what's really possible. And people, I think, underestimate what they can do physically, sometimes in uh, mentally, and of course, just sort of what they can actually do to bring about real joy in their life. And so um, here could be an example of... of doing somebody normal doing something big that would be so awesome man if you need a a second normal guy um definitely let's do it (laughs) let's do it if you if you want it so if i could do the eight the eight day thing then you know that might be a three-week trip yeah all all to get there plan the logistics while you're there and then make it happen um if not if i get to where i'm doing one a week like I'm doing now in the lower 48, then it's, you know, two to three months. Summer kind of deal. Exactly. Yeah. I guess I I did. I kind of skipped over this, but I, I did want to bring it up. What's, what's your training like during the week? I mean, are you running a marathon and then kind of taking the whole week off until the next marathon or how are you going about dealing with that? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. Uh, so to get ready for this, I trained when I was in New York, just as if I was training for a marathon. So I did my normal sort of 16, 18 week marathon training course, did a bunch of long runs, got myself in shape to be able to do the first one. And then I've kind of stayed in shape by doing the marathons themselves. Uh, I've, 
I was running a little bit during the week, and when I would say little, maybe two or three times, short distances, six, five, six, eight miles. And um, I've been fighting chronic plantar fasciitis in both feet. So the more running I do, the more it hurts. And my focus right now is on this experience and running in the parks and, and doing these, uh, these marathons. And so I don't run a ton in between. I'm just giving my body a chance to, to rest. Um, I do some foam rolling. I do some stretches. Uh, I sleep with a night boot to keep my foot immobile while I'm sleeping. And, and all of that has helped and allowed me to, to, to run the, the, the marathons without excessive pain, let's yeah. say. <laughs> uh, and I just, because I was running more and, and it was just hurting more. And so, uh, I don't run too often between the between the marathons. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was curious about that. Cause you know, some people run a marathon and then take a month off or, you know, yeah, but no. at this point I'm sure your body's <clears throat> adapting and getting used to, to the amount of effort you're putting in. So, yeah, I, I, um, one of the things when I, I started this project, um, I knew it was possible to do, right. You see all these guys do all sorts of fancy, uh, feats of endurance, physical endurance. So it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. Marathon a week on yeah. the trails. Yeah. That's possible. No yeah. one's going to go question that. In fact, there are a lot of ultra people that train that do way more than that just in their training, much less their racing. Uh, so I, you know, I, I knew it was possible. And then I was like, well, I wonder if it's possible for me. And, um, and then as I'm doing a marathon a week, it's like when I start the marathon, you know, I, there's nothing in my mind that says I won't finish this. The distance is no longer uh, a factor. There are other things that could happen. You could trip, you could fall, you could get hurt, you get lost, you know, other things, but actually completing the distance on the trails is not, is not even a question anymore. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So I guess from talking to a few people who have done kind of epic quests, because this is definitely a quest and I, yeah. I just love, I love hearing about people going on these quests, but, um, I've heard that the last 10% of the project takes 90% of the effort. Hmm. Um, and granted, I, I guess you're not necessarily in the last 10% yet, but do you, do you feel like that's going to be an issue for you or, I mean, I guess well, if it's Alaska, man. Alaska, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it is. I think just just the logistics of Alaska is its own project, and I think it's going to cost probably half to two thirds of what this entire year has costed. Yeah. So I put forty thousand miles on my car, and I stay in hostels and free places with friends like here, and then camping and. Uh, that and the healthcare, you act all that, all that together. And I think that Alaska, based on my rough estimates, is going to cost half to two thirds of what I spent in this entire year. <laughs> and that would only be to like, if I was there for three months, assuming yeah. I did one a week or, you know, yeah. two and a half to three months, it's the flights there, the rental car, the travel, the, you know, the bush plane flights yeah. back and forth. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, that one's that's its whole other animal. And that's why summer of 2018, if I could do it all in one shot, um, would be great. Yeah. Have you have you considered driving your own car up there? I did. I thought about that. Yeah, it's 3,000 miles from Denver. <laughs> 
and then that's uh, so it's a possibility yeah it would take that's just if i have the luxury of enough money and the time then yeah you could drive up there it's, canada's got to be beautiful to come through and uh then once you're there the driving to all of the parks Alaska is is mind-boggling boggling me. I can't even say it. Bogglingly? <laughs> yeah. Massive. It's a big, big place. So uh, getting from park to park might take a week. That's Who a knows? good point. Yeah. My, the ones that you can drive to. Yeah. My, my dad just did that trip last summer in a pop-up camper, and he took eight weeks just to drive up there. And he, you know, he wasn't hitting all the national yeah. parks. You know what I mean? Yeah. He wasn't going on the ones like way out of the way. Um, yeah. So yeah, man, that's wow. Okay, so how can we help you accomplish that? Like, if someone's uh, listening to this and they're like, how can how can we help him out? Uh, I that's a thank you for asking. There's I do have a generosity.com crowdfunding page. Okay, if people are interested in 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 donating to me to help me reach this, reach this goal. And that's available on my website. Um, and you can support me that way. What, what's the website real quick? It's, uh, well, my, oh, my personal website is running the Runningtheparks.com. Okay. And, and there is, it's on the front page and then also in the support, um, the support page, you can read more about me and then, uh, go to the, the generosity.com crowdfunding page. If you're interested, the, uh, the other way that, that people could support if they're not interested in giving to me, which is, which is perfectly fine is, uh, there are two organizations that I support, and this was not necessarily a, a, a project to raise money for them, but they're associated with things that I believe in. And so one of them is the national parks conservation Alliance they were founded in 1919 as an independent, nonpartisan sort of body to help promote and protect the national parks and the national park system. So they do great, great work. Um, because they're independent of the government, they can lobby to make sure things are continue to be protected and funded properly. Um, I'm actually going to be in the – I'm supposed to be in the June issue of their magazine, okay. the, Nas the National Parks magazine. So if you want to go in and join, you should be able to get that magazine as part of your your uh, subscription. So anyway, you can support them. Um, there's a link on my website and learn more about what they do. And then also the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, PCRM. Uh, I'm a vegan athlete, so I don't eat any animal products, fish, dairy, eggs, anything, any meat. Uh, I do that for performance reasons. I feel that I recover much, much faster. Um, I'm leaner. I don't have any like like uh, gut gut issues when I'm running or anything. I don't have any problems. I just I just feel better that way. Yeah. And that's the way. I, that's the reason I started. And I've learned more about um, animal rights issues and conservation of of land and land usage and all that. But. Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine is promoting a plant-based diet, and they're doing it through education of medical doctors and people in the medical community to, to help them recognize that nutrition is as important, if not more important, than pharmaceuticals or, or other treatments. And, you know, starting with what you eat is where you can start to be healthy. Yeah. So It's like prevention 
versus yeah. Yeah. just management. You know, if you right. if you're preventing something from happening, you don't have to worry about managing. You know, right? Some sort yeah, of you're exactly right. So, you can donate to uh, to the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine as well. They 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 do great work. And Dr. Neil Barnard is the uh, the founder, and he's written a bunch of books that are also very uh, informative, insightful. So, you know, National Parks Conservation Alliance. Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine, or me. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, man. Generosity.com, you said? Yeah. Okay. And yeah, you can search your, on. Type your name in. Search on National Parks for Marathon Project oh, okay. or Running the Parks, either one. That'll come up and, uh, um, you know, take a look there. Yeah. And if, if people want to follow your adventure online, where could they find you there? Yeah. So I have the, the website, runningtheparks.com. Uh, Instagram is runningtheparks. Okay. Facebook, you can search Running the Parks. I, I do this every and, episode when I'm telling and, people where to find me. I'm like, I'm just repeating the same thing. <laughs> I know. But here's the one the one that's an oddball. So on in Twitter, Running the Parks was taken. Oh. <laughs> and I can I tweeted to this person a couple times, and it's a dead account. No one's oh. using it. And Even worse. so I had to get run the parks oh gotcha okay so i'm run the parks on twitter and running the parks everywhere else awesome but you, that's fine yeah and you do a great job putting videos every weekend pictures um kind of kind of keeping people informed of what the actual journey is like you know yeah. versus you know i mean you hear someone like oh you ran a marathon in the national park like you aren't fully getting the whole story there and i'm sure you know even through the social media the whole story's still not coming through completely but yeah. you're getting a really really great idea of of all the effort and all the work it's taking which is which is really cool and plus extra benefit you just get to see these really pretty places um yeah yeah and then i the last question i want to ask you which i think i know the answer but uh-huh. um so now you ran in some of the prettiest spots in the entire world yeah will you ever be able to do the treadmill again <laughs> <laughs> That's a well. I tell you what. Maybe if I put up my slideshow <laughs> of the national parks and watch that flip by, I could run on the treadmill. Maybe, yeah. maybe that. But uh, yeah, no, I was never a big treadmill runner. Yeah, um, I, I have done it when I've needed to, but. Um, yeah, I'll I'll do whatever I need to. I guess that's the best way to say it. That's true, so. man. But like five minutes on the treadmill seems like an hour. You know? Yeah. Well, I like. Uh, I'm a big baseball fan, and there you go. so I can put on a baseball game on a treadmill and just just go. That helps. That does help. I for whatever reason, I'm the same way. Where I'm like, I can watch some sort of sport while I'm yeah. on the treadmill, but nothing else. Like I see people watching movies and stuff, but no. like the rare occasion I have to use a treadmill, I'm like, all right, I can watch football maybe, but yeah. that's it. <laughs> so. Awesome. Totally. Well, thank you, Bill. I, I really appreciate talking to you, um, you know, and I'll be definitely following your journey because it's it's amazing. I wish I would have heard about it earlier, honestly. But uh, but yeah, so thank you for coming on the show. So I appreciate the uh, the opportunity. And you said you're in Denver. I am in Denver. Oh, I'm in Arvada, which is west well, of Denver. I then will be running in the next two I weeks. Know, I know. So I'll I'll be doing. I'm actually I'm going from here doing Sequoia. Okay. I'm going to visit friends in. Um, so for anybody who's listening, they they might be interested in going to visit friends in in Auburn, California, this coming weekend. Well, this okay. is Western States 100. Oh yeah. Weekend. 
So I'm going to be there for Western States. I might try and volunteer at maybe one of the aid stations. You just going to watch Jim Walmsley like sprint by like a like a cheetah. (laughs) Exactly, he is a two-legged cheetah. Uh, And and so I'll be there. I'll be there that weekend if people want to 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 say hello. I don't know where I'll be yet, but I'll probably tweet and make sure that uh, I keep people informed. And then I go. Um, visiting friends in Mendocino, California for a couple of days early next week. Okay. So if anybody lives in that area wants to run. And then I come back and do Black Canyon of the Gunnison on the 2nd. So Denver is only four and a half hours. I know, man. I, I knew you were going to say that. And my <laughs> wife and I are headed back to Iowa that week, unfortunately. Uh, but are you are you going to be in Denver for like an extended amount of time afterwards? Well, or I'm going to live there. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah man. Let's meet up and run. Yeah, you got it. Okay. You can show me you show me the trails. Dude, I'm totally down. That'd be awesome. There's so many. There's like a ridiculous amount. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I, I want to live there. I made a goal of taking my daughters to every open space park just in Jefferson County. Wow. And we're only halfway through at this point. Wow. And it's it's pretty insane. But yeah, man, we'll we'll meet up. I'll I'll shoot you a message when I'm back from Iowa. Yeah, please do. I should be in I should be in Denver proper sort of settling probably the fifth or the sixth awesome man you know where you're settling at well what i'm planning to do is live with some friends that are there um you know maybe two three weeks here two three weeks there until i find out where i want to be okay and you know i'll start looking for a job as well um when i say denver it could be denver it could be golden yeah, yeah. boulder arveda anywhere whatever yeah. it's called perfect um, man so we'll see all right cool dude well thank you and keep this up this is really inspirational and keep keep being awesome and keep spreading goodness yeah we'll keep you doing what you're doing and getting these people on to to talk about things like this because it makes a difference so thanks a lot thank you man i'll talk to you later yeah bye all right that wraps up this week's edition of the like a bigfoot podcast huge thanks to bill (laughs) for just entertaining me for an hour and hopefully you guys too um man it's so cool it's such it's just such a cool way to see the country and you know all the various aspects of it because every so often we get stuck into our own routines our own areas of the world that we're in and we just kind of don't necessarily take into account how every part of this country is connected and how you know the actions in one area will affect another area and you know the national parks the whole point is conserving these amazing pristine areas of wilderness but if people aren't getting out into these areas and witnessing them and you know just just immersing themselves in this natural beauty they might not have an appreciation or have the passion that it takes to preserve these spots um, which in my opinion is a very important It's very important that these areas exist, Um, not just for the nature, but for our own, (laughs) I want to say our own human sanity, Uh, because man, we get stuck in the rat race every so often, and we just need a break. We need to step outside of having technology available to us 24-7, step outside of all the stress and and to-do lists of our job and going to a national park going on a hike getting out into the woods wherever you may be whether you're in 
by Key West, like he was talking about, or you're all the way up in, um, you know, like Mount Rainier or something like just taking that break from regular everyday life is just really important to our mental health. And so once again, I said this at the beginning of the podcast, I'll say it again. It's June, which means vacation time. And, you know, why don't you plan for a vacation? Why don't you plan to go visit a completely new part of the United States? Check out a national park. You could check out some state parks as well. Any sort of beautiful public lands that we have. Check them out. Gain an appreciation. And really just have a great time. <laughs> that's, the, that's the lasting message from this podcast. So uh, thanks again to Bill. That was awesome. You're the man. Um, when you get to Colorado, we definitely need to go for a run. I'm probably going to uh, suggest to you your next project, which is called the Colorado States Park Marathon, <laughs> where you do all the state, all the a marathon in every state park. But uh, that'll tide you over to Alaska. Um, but yeah, man, it was it was a great time having you on. Uh, if you're out there listening, I really hope you you take some important takeaways from what Bill's doing, and I hope you search for alignment in your own life and really start chasing after your own epic adventures or amazing quests because everyone loves an amazing quest in my opinion all right speaking of epic quests next week we will be talking to ryan chakuski also speaking of names i can't pronounce so hopefully ryan i i got that right um we'll be talking to him about his upcoming adventure uh running the bigfoot 200 uh candace burt's race in washington that starts at mount st helens uh and you know it's just 200 miles no big deal <laughs> but he's running it and then he's going to uh he's also an author so he's gonna write a book about it um called bigfoot 200 because you know why the bleep not <laughs> And so we'll be talking about his training, uh, his preparation for the event mentally and emotionally, not only physically, because uh, a 200 mile race, man, that's going to take some mental and emotional, like badassery. Um, and then we'll be talking a bit about what his plans are for the book and, and how he's going to go about that. He has a really interesting layout for that. So come back. Uh, it'll, I'm going to put that out in the middle of next week at some point. So so yeah, that was a great conversation. Um, yeah, guys, uh, don't know how to wrap this up this week. <laughs> Just go, go do something awesome. Go visit somewhere that you've never gone before. And try, like, even if it's somewhere like 20 minutes from your house and you just never have been to like, you know, a little tiny city park or something, just go visit it, man. It'll give you a better appreciation of, of where you live and, and of our great country. All right, guys, go get them. See you next week.